Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Her Bold Story. I'm Inga Davids, your host. Her Bold Story is a show that amplifies women's stories about leadership, career, empowerment, and everything in between. Happy New Year and welcome to Episode 5. Our special guest this month is a woman who consistently and constantly challenges herself by smashing comfort zones. She is the chair of the South African Women in ICT Forum. A warm welcome to Sonwa Bise Mzinyati. I'm so excited to hear and share your story today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Inga. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, It's been a real journey getting here and I'm really excited to finally be on your show. I'm so excited to have you and we know we're starting the year off and and I know when we chatted we thought what is better than to start a new year off by actually chatting about smashing comfort zones and and just walking into 2021 with that sort of energy. So let's jump right in. Stepping outside of your comfort zone often requires a lot of courage. Can you tell us about your journey? Where did you find the courage? Have you always been this courageous? Um, my family will probably tell you that I've always been uh, a person who, who goes and, and, and gets what they want to get and who says what they feel um, and who really tends to color outside of the borders and what is known as the norm in our family. I, however, don't always think that was always the case. I think there has been quite a big internal journey for me to get to a point where I can say I am courageous. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even think right now I'm I'm as courageous as I I would like to be. But I think it's very, very important for us to do the things that we are even scared of because there's really no joy in sitting in in comfortable areas and really sitting in the things that we already know. Part of Mm. the joy of living is going above and beyond what we think we know and what we think we can actually achieve both for ourselves, but also for um, the communities and societies that we live in. Mm. For me, courage started by really understanding why I was born. There's a a very important quote that I like that says there's really two important defining moments in your life. The the first one is when you were born and the second Mm -hmm. one when you figure out why you were born. Yes. And so the defining moment of courage really was when I understood why it is that I was born and what my purpose is in life and Mm. um, what it is that I want to be known for and what it is that I want to leave behind. Um, And having understood that, then I knew why I am being courageous because it's also important not to be courageous just for the sake of being courageous Mm. you must know why you are being courageous and what you want to achieve with your courage Mm. so that your courage is not misplaced because if your courage is misplaced then you're going to burn out and you're not going to want to continue because you you know you've been using it for the wrong things and for Mm. things that serve you don't serve people around you as well Mm. so it really started there and um, after I knew why it is I was born, then I placed, I guess, calculated risks around how I can achieve my purpose. And then I went about combining the vision, the calculated risks, the planning with courage to mm. achieve that purpose. It's an everyday thing. I don't think I have a single moment where I think I've reached where I want to reach. Coming to this podcast was courageous in yes. itself. 
And it really is about doing things with, whether you're comfortable with them or not. It's really about pushing yourself to reach boundaries that you can only imagine or even you, you've never even imagined mm. for yourself. Yeah. And when you do yeah. that, you start opening up room for more blessings to come into your life that you never even um, imagined where people that you probably never even met all of a sudden are making way for you to sit and table on tables that you never thought you'd sit on or to, um, to have a voice in yes. places that you never thought you would have a voice in to have your fingerprint and your signature on documents that you never thought you would ever have um, input into, but you understand it when you know what your purpose is. You understand it, you accept it, and you appreciate it. Yeah, I you said so much goodness in that just opening. Um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, just the fact that you said standing in your courage can often bring you so much joy when you just take it on, but also being courageous with purpose, knowing why you're being courageous, and then using your courage and that energy in that space um, to live more bravely and boldly in your purpose. I love that because you don't often hear, hear that sort of grounding in wanting to smash a comfort zone, let's say. It's always just about just do it. You know, there's nothing that that really grounds you in wanting to, why should I step out of my comfort zone? What, what is that driving motivator for doing it? And you've clearly, you've clearly identified that for you. Um, and you mentioned, Son, right now you, you've done the podcast, but you are a completely multifaceted woman. It has served you clearly very well in your journey to have identified your purpose and then to find these, these moments that stretch you, um, these moments that also bold you up. Can you maybe tell us just a bit more around the way that you've climbed, let's say, the proverbial professional journey or ladder? Because I know it's not just um, you, you don't box yourself in. So how have you managed to do all of these things but all of these things are still aligned to this purpose that you've carved out for yourself. Can you share that with us? Yes, I can. And I wish I could say I, I, I can take credit um, mm. for it, but I really can't. I've been really, really fortunate and blessed in my life to have, even before I quite figured out my purpose succinctly, to have had um, opportunities that allowed me to shape what it is and how it is I want to contribute back to, to society. Um, and I think what I have done in those instances is very quickly grab them firstly, mm. and also ensure that I don't have, take them for granted and that I, I really put in my all in everything that I do. I knew very early when I, when I started off, I mean, studying, I, I really, I wish I, I could tell you that I always knew what I wanted to do. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I was, um, I was always shifting and changing and cause mm. I have a, an element of creativity and then I have an element of being very, very serious and an, mm. analytical and data driven and wanting to problem solve. Um, and so I really had a mixed bag of things that I, that I wanted to do and I couldn't choose. And it just so happened that when I went to the university that I went to and asked for directions, it led me down the degree that I'm, that I possess currently. And even then I then grabbed that opportunity and learned as much as I can. I, I 
really sponge when I get an opportunity to be in any environment I sponge it I really I learn mm. as much as I can I give my all I I'm one of those people that put in extra hours whether I'm required to or not we my friends used to tease me when we were in varsity that we can all go out for dinner everybody will think that we're going to get back and sleep and mm. I'll back grab coffee and and carry on studying mm. um, um I've always been um that person I think also what alerted me very, very early, um, Inga, which sort of opened up my purpose was mm. in my very, very first job, my um, supervisor grilled it in me that anybody could be in my position, that it could have been anyone else. We were in a selection of about 2,000 applicants. There were less than... Can't remember twenty or something of us that got yeah, selected, and so sure. he would grill it to me that anybody could have had the seat that I had. So mm-hmm. very early, my principle has always been: don't take what you have for granted because anybody can have it, yes. but you have. It, so what are you going to do with it? That's the first thing. Like the second that. thing: I've always been very much aware of the fact that the world is unequal and mm-hmm. it's very, very much unfair. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm an African. Mm. Um, I'm black. Yes. I'm a woman. Yeah. And so, whenever I have a, a position, or whenever I'm in any role or anything um, that I'm contributing to, I really come in with that at the back of my mind. It's not doesn't cripple me. It's not my. Um, it, it's not a hindrance. It's just something that I'm very, very much aware of. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I get given any sort of opportunity, I go in there with the, how are you going to show that these three cornerstones of which I call ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are excellence? They represent yes. excellence. They're really not a place of um, yes, maybe you you got the role because of affirmative action or whatever that the case may mm-hmm. be, but. You come from a place of excellence, and yes. so when you come, when you when you approach, when I when I approach anything, I approach it in that angle. So, firstly, never taking things for granted. Mm. Secondly, approaching things from a place of excellence, because I'm very much aware of the inequality and unfairness in the world. Yes. Um, and then um, the last thing, Inga, is is lifting as I rise. I'm really a big big. Uh, proponent of that because I'm a beneficiary of that Mm. when I say that I can't take credit for it that's what I mean is that I've had many many people um, who have opened doors for me who have um, given me opportunities Mm. who at a very very young age allowed me to sit in front of presidents to debate with ministers to um, be part of secretariats of boards to Mm. really um, not take the fact that I'm young or or whatever the reason may be, um, be an excuse for me not to participate and to get my hands dirty and to mm. be equally yoked and involved yes. in everything that I do. Yes. Um, and so that is the third thing, is that because of how I have benefited from people lifting as they were rising, lifting me up, opening doors for me, I uh, myself live off the principle of lifting as you're rising and mm. making time for and really just giving back what I think really 
I, I have been given, not because I, I don't think, I don't, because I deserve it or because I'm special. It's just, I've been really fortunate. I, I've had, I've been blessed in that way that I've had people who have really, really um, stretched me and, mm. and allowed me to grow um, quite quickly also in, in yes. my career. Yes. Um, I really love what you said around just lifting others as you have risen yourself, because that brings us a great segue into our, our next question around there's often like, and you mentioned this before around just breaking ceilings and the ability when you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, you often get to break your own ceiling, your own limiting beliefs that you had on yourself, which often helps with that career growth. So what are your thoughts as you, like, how do you, as you are lifting and rising others, when you have, let's say, come to your ceiling, how do you break that ceiling and continue to go and then pull others up to their next level? Oh, wow, what a what a what an amazing question. And, and it's amazing because I I, I I recall quite precisely when when those moments have happened. Mm. I think if I'm if I'm just answering quite frankly, because I assume people on the show are human beings and they go through things that I probably have gone through too. Yes. I think when I reach that feeling, that that ceiling, the first reaction is frustration and just mm. really trying to ponder, okay, so where to from here? Like what what is my next step? I've yes. achieved what I said I wanted to achieve. I am where I said I want to 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 be at the exact moment when I said I want to be. Mm. So now what? And at the time when that happened, I reached the ceiling, but I had stopped. I was, I, I had little small milestones and mm. I had, for, not that I'd forgotten about the big milestone, but I had not, I wasn't looking at the big milestone. I was looking at the small milestones that were leading me up to the big milestone. And then all of a sudden it's like the big milestone happened and it yeah. was such a, oh my gosh, it's happened. At, I'm here. Yeah. You're at the top of the mountain, right? Like you. <laughs> okay. They, Okay. Way to now, no, like what I happens now? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think about this. Mm. Um, it took a couple of months to to wrap it around my head that okay, what what is it that I want to achieve next? Mm. Um, because I also always try to push myself. Um, I I live off the theory that the same amount it takes the so same amount of energy it takes you to dream a vision for two rand is the same amount of, of energy it takes you to dream a, vi a vision for two billion yeah. same amount of energy. yes so i so when i when i was at that point it took a couple of months because i was i do not want to have a two rand vision i wanted to have a two billion vision mm. and to have a two billion vision i really needed to be in a place where i could focus and so i think when I got to a place of focus, which I guess is your answer, is when you get to that point where you reach your ceiling, it's really important to have a conversation with yourself around, okay, so you've achieved this. What were some of the lessons you've learned? What, what could you have done better? And then where to from here? And as you um, build your where to from here, really challenging yourself in terms of, Am I really stretching myself in terms of where to from here? Am I really going the extra mile or am I sticking within a comfort of what I think I can achieve? Yeah. Because my for me, my where to from here must be a place where 
I can't even where I have so much doubt and fear that I'll even achieve it. Yes. But that's my way from here. Mm. I don't want, I never want a way to from here where I know for sure I'm going to achieve it. Mm. There must be a little bit of, are you crazy? Are you, what? Yeah. Are you, <laughs> you think you are? Um, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with you? There must be a little bit of that conversation and that debate internally where I have to convince myself that I am good enough, that I am mm. capable, that I am mm. worthy, that mm. I can. Then I know that I've, I've dreamt a big dream that I know it's that I'm, I'm breaking the ceiling um, for me. That's then I know, okay, yeah, this is a ceiling breaker. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's really something that is, um, yeah, this is big. Yes. Um, and then from there, I build little milestones that I know I must achieve along the way to get to that big point. Because when you also, when you do big dreams, it may take a while. And so you need to have little bits of joys in between that yes. will motivate continue. Yes. So that's why I also have little milestones in between um, my 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 big dream when I break ceilings. Oh, I honestly just love it. Like the point around re- reflection, I could not agree more. Your point around when you actually say it out loud that you want to do something and it freaks you out beyond, but you still have the courage to say, you know what, if anything you only have everything to gain from the experience and nothing to lose by putting yourself out there. I could not resonate with what you said more because I think that that's what most of us struggle with. And you mentioned it, like you have to have this internal dialogue around, even though it scares me, even though I think I may not be worthy, even though something may not, I don't think I'm ready. There's this always this inner critic narrative that comes up when we are thinking big, when we are thinking about that 2 billion vision. Um, So how do you, I mean, around that inner critic dialogue, how do you either deal with it or how do you drown it out so that you can continue stepping courageously forward? For me, the first step is acknowledging it. Mm. Um, Getting to a point where I acknowledge what it is that I'm feeling and what it is that I'm saying about myself and to myself internally. Mm. And then deciding whether or not what I'm saying, um, the internal dialogue I'm having is valid or it's not valid. Yeah. Because sometimes you have internal dialogues within yourself and it's just, it's fear or it's the imposter syndrome or it's just your childhood um, baggage trying Mm. to keep up or your insecurity trying to creep up on you so it's very very important to acknowledge it and then once you acknowledge what the conversation you're having being able to differentiate whether it's a valid conversation that you actually need to have and deal with Mm. or if just um a conversation that you need to push away and tell it to just shove and leave you alone yes because it comes (laughs) from point of insecurity and you you really couldn't be bothered to entertain it yes Um, and so, yeah, just just those two things for me always work. And if it is valid, um, then I really have that conversation with me. I face, I I, I tend to face myself in the mirror a lot, mm. and I'm also surrounded by people that um, that you know, they tell me like it is. They really, I my my all my friendships, my family, they they shoot from the hip, mm. and that's how I like it. Yeah, um, because I don't, I don't, I never want to be surrounded by people or in an environment where 
no one is telling me the truth and I'm mm. and I'm buying my own liquid, you know? True. I I want to be a, people to be able to have rigorous debates with me and tell me when I'm wrong and tell me if I'm if I'm if I'm towing the line. Mm. Um and if it is, you know, invalid, if it comes from an insecurity and it's an insecurity that I need to deal with, then I must acknowledge that too. Yes. But if it's an insecurity that just tends to creep up to check if are you still stationary are you still standing then I you know you just you, you brush it away because you know you get those moments where it's just coming to check are you still, <laughs> still strong uh, I love that and it hits you at the weirdest moments when yeah. when you're about to send that 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 email to that person that you thought you'd never ever email or you're about to land the deal that you thought you'd never <laughs> land and then that insecurity monster just creeps up at the wrong moment to question like you still got it girl you. like are you are sure, you sure? <laughs> is this you really do you think you uh, should uh, yeah. that, that's actually such a good point and just like that moment I guess as Michelle Obama says that moment of becoming right like every time you leave your comfort zone, you are becoming this next version, self-actualization of the person, of the woman that you know you are. And you have to confront, like you're saying, every time that inner critic, questioning some stuff, unlearning some stuff, learning new belief systems that can actually carry you forward. Um, yeah, so I couldn't, that's such a good point on just like questioning yourself and being honest with yourself, like you're saying look yourself in the mirror and have the conversation as scary as it can be, um, but so necessary. So, but we know often stepping outside of comfort zones is not easy for everyone, but we know it's also very doable. So what advice would you give a listener who is not ready to step outside of the comfort zone? Sure. Inga. <laughs> Where are you coming with them today? Hey. So, so firstly, I mean, figure out why is it that you're not ready to come out of your comfort zone. Mm. And, it's, and I suppose it also has to do with not having a net. Um, if you step out of your comfort zone to some level, you want to know that you have a net to fall on. Mm. Most True. Don't. Some people don't mind falling on the ground and mm. rising and, and starting again, but you know, for, for some people, most people, they really want to know that they have a net to fall back on if mm. if they push the boundary. Otherwise, they might as well just keep playing it safe because they know playing it safe, it gives them an income, it puts food on the table, yes. it feeds the family, it feeds them, it, feel, it feeds the children. You know, it, it, it really, it's, it's, a, it's a stomach conversation sometimes, you know, mm. it's just, I need, I need to eat. Yes. Um, and that's about it, really. Mm. And my children need to eat, or, or my family needs to eat. Mm. Um, I live in a con- in a continent where very much that is the conversation. The conversation is a is a stomach conversation. Yes. And so I, I can imagine that when you don't want to step out of your comfort zone, it really is a matter of the net. Am I going to have? What am I going to fall back on? Mm. I'm going to push this boundary. If it doesn't work out. Then what? Yes. Who's going to support my family? Who's going to do A, B, C, D? And we cannot, I cannot give advice on this without being empathetic to the realities of most people. Mm, of um, course. 
on this continent um, specifically. Mm. And so with that in mind, I guess, ask the person, you, your listeners should ask themselves, what, did, what is the worst that could happen yes. if they step comfort zone? What is the worst that could happen mm. if they reach out to Somabiso on LinkedIn? Maybe she could ignore them. And, um, and this is me even assuming they have connectivity and data to go on LinkedIn. But true. maybe the worst could be that she will say no or she will ignore me. But either way, you, did not, you do not know Somabiso. So right? if she's mean to you and doesn't talk to you, you move on with your life. Because in any case, you did not know her. She could just respond. She could just lead you to the right direction or um, guide you, introduce you to someone. Yeah. Um, what is the worst that could happen if you applied for a job at mm. a company that you wanted to work for that you think it's absolutely crazy that you are even applying to that company? Yeah. That they know. And I mean, yeah. what were you doing before then? You weren't working for them. So you just carry on with your life. <laughs> not, working with, not working for that company. So I'm, not saying, I'm not saying do things blindly. Um, yes. Prepare. You know, prepare, mm. um, calculate risks. Um, don't throw everything if you haven't calculated um, risks. Um, mm. that um, prepare, ask for help, people to guide you, people who have walked the same journey that you want to walk. Mm. Ask them to guide you, ask for their advice. So many people are scared of reaching out to CEOs <sighs> and to executives. I promise you. Out of the 20, and this is not a data-driven figure, someone, <laughs> I'll just say someone, I won't quote a figure, I'll say someone will respond and they will be willing to talk to you. Yes. Someone will be willing to talk to you and to guide you and to listen to you. Just don't waste their time. Just be very mm-hmm. clear about what it is that you're going to talk to them about and how much time you need from them because they're busy people. Mm. But my point is that when you understand the net that you'll fall back on, I guess then it's easier to, to step out of your comfort zone. You know, before you never went, you, you never did a, a TV interview before. Yes. So what's the worst that could happen? You just continue without ever having done a TV interview, but at least you tried exactly um, that, that TV interview. You tried to get to apply for that role. You didn't get it. You, your life moves on without having that role. Yes. Um, don't, don't sit back because you're scared that's wow like i think so many so much has been done despite of fear regardless mm. of scared i i haven't always been a person who um does interviews i used to be the person behind the scenes encouraging yes. both people to do the interviews but i realized that that is not serving my purpose and it's not serving um what it, what it is that i need to achieve mm. in any way yes um so i do it despite the fear, regardless yeah. of the fear of it, I do it anyway. Mm. Um, I would really encourage your listeners to do it anyway. Just, just do it. Of course, I did put a disclaimer in yeah. here. I don't Not reckless. Calling <laughs> and saying, you said I must do it and now I've lost my millions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, but you also That's touched on, on such a good point um, just about even though you may not get the job, even though you may not get the scholarship, even though you may not land the deal, the thing is, coming to your point of planning, you have started the plan. You have started with your small milestones. You have actually spoken your next step into existence. It's just about continuing 
in that direction without faulting if you get your first no or if you get your first rejection letter. Like, you know where you want to go. So continue and just, like you're saying, despite the fear, despite the rejection, despite the CEO not coming back with a favorable, I can have time for you. Um, keep on in that direction. Absolutely. And I think I just want to add there, um, you just reminded me. I think that I also want to add that you must operate from the disposition that what is yours is yours. What is yours will be yours. Like, but that won't happen if you're sitting in a corner at home. It won't always happen. People who are overly favored, maybe that happens to them, that one, that not point, what, 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 what. But for most people, you actually have to put yourself out there. Uh, for what is yours to come to you, right? And but operate from that. And if you so, and and the reason why I'm saying this is that if the first, if the if a CEO, if someone says no, just know either it's not yours or the timing is not is not right mm. at that moment. That's right. So true. Yep. And things that are yours, things always come back full circle. There's really nothing new under the sun. Mm. They always come back full circle. Yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And also just to start the year off with that, if it's yours and if the time is right, the things will align. Um, but set your intention, like you're saying, yes. set your intention. Um, so I can't have this conversation without actually asking you because you are a very busy woman. So you are a woman that gives your voice to many important causes. You're a business owner, you're a mentor, you're on panel discussions, um, you're smashing ceilings. So how do you actually find the time to juggle or find the balance? And I, and I sometimes am scared to use the word balance because I, I guess it's all, it must be part of a lifestyle more than a balance sometimes in the way that you approach everything on your plate. But how do you do it? Do you have a secret? What is the secret sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. Share. Know that movie. Uh, who is it? Is it um, Julia Roberts? How does she do it? No, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. How does she do it? <laughs> tell us. Tell us. There's a movie that's called How Does She Do It? It's Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think it's a balance. It's definitely not a balance. I, mm. I, I think it's a blended life. Mm. Um, so if I need to take a bit of personal time, I take a bit of personal time, but I know that I've taken a bit of personal time. Therefore I need to give back to where I took the time. So if it was, okay. if I took the time from my work, then I need to give back more, you know, at some mm. point I need to give back that time to my work. Okay. Um, if I, because if I don't do it, no one is going to do it. Mm. I, I, that work, I'm in that type of work environment where, if I don't do it, it's not going to be done. So if I take time out of work, then I need to give back time to work. Mm. Um, if I take time out for my business stuff, then I need mm. to give back to my personal stuff and my family. If mm. I take time True. out for, I don't know, for friends, then I need to give back time. So I just, I rotate my time like that. Mm. Um when I'm tired, I, I'm tired. When I'm mm. tired, I shut down. I, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm depleted. You're not going to get anything out of me. I also make time for myself. I think it's mm. very, very important. Time. I'm a, my love language is acts of service. So, and then as I was, as I was um, learning to take better care of myself, because mm. about 
two years ago, I crashed completely. And so I've had to learn how to take better care of myself. And one of the things that I've learned to do is perform those acts of service on myself. Mm -hmm. So I take time out for myself. I put out candles. I read a book. I put my feet and I soak them. I've learned how to do a spa because of lockdown. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I feel sorry for spas because I've literally... (laughs) I used to go to a spa at least once a month, at least once a month. <laughs> now I've learned how to do all of that by myself. So, you know, I I, I call it a blended life. I think it's, mm. it's I've never been able to achieve a balance um, ever. And I have support, you know, I do I do have support with my kids. I have mm. a very, very amazing um, support system um, that surrounds me, my friends, my family, um, my work, my colleagues. Oh, gosh, Inga. Really, I, I've just, yeah, I, I, I think that the secret is is blending. It's mm, a good point. Your responsibilities, and then also managing yourself. Because for me to be able to give back time where I take time, I need to be a good manager to myself mm. and a good leader for myself yes. as well. Yes. No, I love that. I think there's. It's so true around just the blended approach. But I also like what you said around the time. I've never thought about it like that, actually. Where you take time away from, give it back. Um, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a good I approach. Think- so that you feel that everything is yes. taken care of, actually. Because it's about taking care of yourself and then the things that you want to put your time and energy into. Yeah, and I think also because I've, all, I mean, for the past I don't know how many years I've worked for companies that have um, flexi hours, not mm. flexi hours, there, but they they kind of understand that blended work, the yes. the, the work life blend relationship. Yeah, um, and so even if their flexi work times were not perfect, but mm. they understood that. And I've had um, leaders, my managers have always been people that understand that. And when they don't, I've taught them how to. Because this is just how I work, and and I work productively this way. Um, when, for me, when they when the sun sets, my productivity level peaks. Oh wow! Yeah, it really peaks. It peaks incredibly. So I don't like meetings. I mean, if you want, if you want to discuss strategy with me, mm. it's probably best to do it early hours of the morning because that's when I get into my head and really focus, and there's yeah. absolute silence. Mm. Um, but of course, I, I can't ask people to meet me at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, you mean that early? I was thinking like four thirty. No, no, four thirty. <laughs> then I completely I, I sleep. I pass out because I've been up all night. That is an interesting clock, an interesting like productivity clock. But it's so great when somebody knows how when they are productive and they can carve that life, like you're saying for themselves so that they operate again, coming back to your first point, the space of excellence actually, and leading everything with a space of excellence. But we've actually come to the last question of our show, which is often the very exciting one. It's the, which woman would you like to have at your dinner table and why? Gosh, I've got, I've I've got a couple. I'd love Hmm. to, um, uh, to choose Alema Clooney, who is George Clooney's wife. I hate describing her like that. That's how people know her. <laughs> I hate that. Actually, she was a humanitarian lawyer before yes. she was his wife. 
Yes. And he has an amazing career at the UN as um, um, a humanitarian advocacy lawyer. Mm. Um, she's incredibly powerful and empowering for me. Mm. So her. I would love to have, um, and this is now a dinner table where all these women are on the table, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and I'd love to have on the table as well, Shomaine Huve, who's public policy director at Cisco. Mm-hmm. She's a very big part of my life and she will always be at any dinner table that I, that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to have um, Cindy Mabasokoyana. She's um, the co-founder of the African Chartered Women um, Association. And she's also the chair of a number of, of, of I mean, executive director on a number of boards sure. uh, of global and, and local companies. I'd love, love, love to have uh, the former former Madam President of Liberia, Madam Salon. I'd love also to have, ooh, the chair of First Rand in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Then I'd love, of, of course, um, then I would love to have, I can see her face. She's the CEO for Upgen. She's based in London. Anyway, her. Hmm. I'd love to have her on my table. Okay. I'd really love to have her. She's, she's um, incredibly, you know, when, you know, what drives me about women leaders the most mm. is when a woman leader has such power but remains so so kind, so accessible, so absolutely available to give back and to empower and to give wise words. Mm. That really gets me. Yeah. Which why and the reason why, so it comes to my why. I really wanted to give you her name. Um, anyway, I met her recently. She's incredible. Oh, that's awesome. So the reason why I, w- I would choose these women. Oh, mm. oh, oh. Lastly, my professor for international political economy. Mm-hmm. Catherine Duggan. She's a former professor for Harvard. She was uh-huh. my professor at the Africa Leadership University. She's now been recruited by uh, UCT. And let me tell you, UCT could have not done a better job. That is probably one of the best hires that they've oh. done in years after the vice the, the vice yes. chancellor. Ah, Prof. Booking is the best. She's yeah, such a yeah. vibe. Absolutely. But I'll definitely have those women around the table um, because I find them to be, oh, the last person. Gosh. Let's keep coming. Love it. (laughs) It's it's, it's Nolita Fagode, and she's the chair of Anglo um, American. Ah, power. That's like ultimate. Yes. So these are the women that I'll have around my table. And um, the reason why I have these women around the, around my table, I find them really, really wise. They've achieved so much mm. in their careers and yet remain so humble. By humble, I don't mean people people um, misuse humble for meek. Yes. Humble is not meek. Humble means that they approachable, um, mm. they're human, mm. they're not, you know, they, they, they resonate with you. Yes. On a human level. And I just, and they lift as they rise. They just got so much pebbles in them that mm. I, I just feel need to be unearthed. And after that dinner table, I would definitely, firstly, during that dinner table, I would 
have a video a videographer in present because I would make it a documentary and a book possibly. <laughs> the two billion vision never stops with you. It's like <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm always thinking. <laughs> what next? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna. That should be my question also. Like, but why and what did you really do with this time? Like, how would you document? this time this part this this and essence the, of the table exactly and probably it should be at a really profound or historic venue like under the stars at constitutional hill mm. yeah that two billion vision eh? you now put it out there now it's gonna manifest next thing you're gonna know you're gonna call me and be like inga happened <laughs> i love it i love it um We've reached the end of our interview. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time. We, the listeners, will rise because of this, because of this conversation. Um, such a brilliant way to start 2021 off. Um, and thank you. Thank you for having me, Inga. And I really wish you um, all the best with the podcast. I think you're doing an incredible job in in really highlighting and elevating the voice of women who definitely um, do need the push and the courage to to be heard and for their stories to be told. Not enough women's stories are told. Mm. So congratulations to you for um, having the courage to do this in the first place. And I hope one day someone else will be behind that mic and you will be behind your laptop being interviewed on your show, telling your story. And I really wish your, your listeners a really blessed 2021. I hope that it is nothing like 2020 mm. or at least much, much better than um, 20, um, 2020. And may they realize their, their, their ceiling breakers and mm. their purpose. And, mm. and I wish them peace and joy and, and so much love and oh. success. Definitely. At the end of the beginning of 2020, we must all be like, how are you doing? I'm doing successfully. Like, yes. we. <laughs> I love how, That's how we're opening up 2021. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing successfully. How are you yes. doing? <laughs> and just like that, we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you, Sonwa Bise, for sharing your story. To continue the conversation, for listeners, you can reach Sonwa Bise on Twitter using the handle at Sonwa Bise or on LinkedIn at Sonwa Bise Sabata. And again, Happy New Year from the Her Bold Story team. May you walk boldly into the year with renewed energy and filled with inspiration to smash those comfort zones. Until the next episode, be bold, be brave, be inspired. Thanks for listening to Her Bold Story. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I did. And remember, we release a new episode on the 8th of every month. So don't forget to subscribe via Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and many more. You don't want to miss out. Her Bold Story. In proud association with 168FM.